God has provided a very, very special, special experience for this morning, a special treat. Obviously, it's very personal for Amy and I. We've known uh, the Listrums, I think, for probably close to 20 years at least, probably in there, but uh, we've been able to kind of keep up with our career. And the Listrums surrendered their life to Jesus Christ to be missionaries more than 28 years ago. They served with the International Mission Board for 28 years. They served for 18 years in Uganda and six years just recently in India, just returned from India. And... Um, I can tell you a lot of things about this family, but the, 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 the things that really stand out about the Listerman family, especially David and Linda here, getting to know them over these years, but uh, they love God. They love His holy word. And they love people. And we've talked about surrender so many times in here, but uh, we have two people in here that have truly given their life to God said, hey, whatever, wherever you want me to go, God, whatever you want me to do, sold everything. And in fact, they were laughing last night. They've sold things more than once. And, uh, but uh, I'm so touched that they'd be here. They're living in North Carolina, but they said they'd come here today to be with us and kind of help us kick off the season for Lottie Moon, but also to just share with us what it really looks like to give yourself to God. And I'm so thankful for being here. They have uh, two boys. Two boys are married, so they inherited two beautiful daughter-in-laws, too. No grandchildren yet, but um, I'm so thankful for being here, and uh, David and Linda are going to come share with you this morning, but uh, I know you're in for a, a true blessing from God this morning, hearing their testimony and hearing God's word, but uh, let's thank God for them and their precious ministry here. Having us here today, we are just really blessed to be with you today, and I just want to share a little bit of my own personal journey of what has brought us here today. The reason why we can be with you today is because we have taken the International Mission Board's voluntary uh, retirement incentive. I'm sure some of you have read or you know that the IMB had offered all of its staff over age 50 the opportunity to take early retirement to help the IMB come back into uh, financial stability because we were having financial problems. Um, August the 27th, we received an email inviting us to retire early. That was not on our game plan. That was not something that we had any inkling of. Um, so it kind of stopped us in our tracks. Ooh, what does this mean? The following Sunday, we met with a joint service with two churches that we had been working with. That Sunday, the pastor preached from Ezekiel chapter 14, where God confronts Ezekiel with a field of dry bones. And the whole premise of the sermon was that God can even suspend the laws of nature to accomplish his purposes. With, Isaiah, uh, with Ezekiel, he caused the dry bones to come back to life. He also mentioned um, Hezekiah and how God had turned time backwards. And then he mentioned a story that I had never thought of in this context. He said, remember the wedding at Cana? They ran out of wine. And Mary came to Jesus and said, they've run out of wine. And he said, 
why are you telling me this, woman? You know, it's not yet my time. It's not time for me to show my glory. It's not yet time for me to demonstrate my power. Nevertheless, he did turn the water into wine. So even though it wasn't time yet, the future became the present as he did his first miracle at the wedding at Cana. And as the pastor was saying, God could even bring the future into the present. I'm sitting here thinking, God, are you talking to me now? You know, are you going to bring our future retirement that's supposed to be a few years hence, are you bringing it into the now? As David and I prayed, as we sought the Lord, as we discussed things, as we considered options, I was doing my personal Bible study in the book of Acts, and two things came into focus for me. One was Acts 26:26, when Paul is giving his testimony before King Agrippa. And as he's talking, Festus, the governor, says, Paul, you are mad with too much learning. And Paul says, I'm not mad. You know, King Agrippa, he's very aware, and he knows all these things because they did not happen in a corner. I like that phrase. It didn't happen in a corner. You know, I can remember, you know, the IMB hasn't kept its financial woes a secret. I can remember a few years ago when the Lottie Moon Christmas offering slogan was, Lottie Moon is starving again. You know, the IMB from time to time has made mention of these things, but we just haven't focused on that. So this voluntary retirement incentive thing came as a huge surprise to many. But it didn't happen in a corner, and God, above all, it didn't happen in a corner in his books because he knew all along what was going on. He knew all the decisions that had brought us to this place. And he knew already, before it happened, what he was going to do about it and what his plan is. The second thing that came into focus for me was the story of Saul on the road to Damascus. Here was a man who knew who he was. He knew what he was about. He knew his direction. He knew what was going on, and he was going with that, with his plans, with his intentions, with his surety of what he should be doing. And on that road, a brilliant light stopped him in his tracks. And actually, he was literally blinded so that he couldn't see. And Jesus spoke to him from heaven. And at that time, he was given one instruction. Go into the city and wait. You will be told what to do. Now, Saul could have just been angry, and he could have gone home and had a pity party because he was blind. Or he could have just continued his journey with the help of his friends and made all the arrests that he had papers for to arrest the Christians. But he didn't. Even though he was fighting against Jesus, when Jesus stopped him in his tracks, he obeyed the heavenly instruction. And he went into the, uh, he went into the city and waited. And we know three days later, Ananias came, restored his sight, gave him instruction that he was to preach to Jews and to Gentiles. And he obeyed that instruction and was faithful to it the rest of his life. So here David and I are. <laughs> We've been with the board for 28 years. 
We've been in India six years. We've been back from furlough one year, and we have just gotten going with everything. Everything's going great. We're making plans for more ministry outreach and more work. And we get an email. Did you know that even God can use modern technology for his purpose? And it stopped us in our tracks. Well, we've been convinced that this is what the thing that God wanted us to do. So now we have come back to the city. We're here in the United States, and we're waiting on God. So we don't know what our next assignment is. We don't know what God has for us in the next chapter. But we're waiting, and we would ask you, Beaver Dam Baptist Church, to pray with us and the hundreds of others who are in the same situation that we are and just pray with us that we'll have patience to wait, we'll be faithful in the waiting, and that when God shows us what his next plan for us is, that we will be faithful to step into that plan and walk on that road. Thank you very much. Now you've had the best, so you'll have to put up with the rest. So that's the way it goes. Thank you, darling. Now more than ever, we want to ask you to prayerfully consider what God's assignment is to you as far as your support of international missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. The IMB has reduced its staff, um, and they do project that by 2017, the budget will be back into balance again. And we thank God for that. It kind of gives us a little bit of reassurance that we were hearing God correctly when he said, okay, it's time for you to step down and help bring things back into balance. But if we, as the network of support for Southern Baptist Missions globally, if we don't continue to pray, and if we don't continue to give, and if we don't continue to go in partnership with God's assignment to reach this world for Christ, then we're not going to make the difference in reaching our generation that God would desire us to do. So I ask you now more than ever, pray. See what God would have you to give financially and see what God would have you to give out of your own life for his service. I invite you to open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 from verse 8 to verse 20. Um, and I'd like for us to ask ourselves this morning, what is God calling me to do? What is my next assignment? This is a question that Linda and I are kind of dealing with right now. So maybe I should get the mirror up here and just go ahead and preach to myself this morning. And y'all can eavesdrop if that's okay. Okay, Luke chapter 2 from verse 8. A very familiar passage. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you today, this day is born, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign to you, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace 
and goodwill to all men. And when the angels had gone away into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's now go, even unto Bethlehem, to see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary, and they found Joseph, and they found the baby lying in the manger. And so, when they had seen him and they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all these things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Our question this morning is, what does God want me to do right now? You see, God comes to us and God calls us to respond to him. Look at verse 15 and 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has shown us. Now, God called the shepherds and the shepherds responded. And in some translations, it's not really clear to us, but they obeyed immediately. They hurried to, to obey. Okay, if they were Southern Baptists, they would have referred it to a committee. And six months later, the committee would have come back and brought a recommendation and the church would have split. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. They saw the angel and their response was immediate Obedience. Ouch. Uh, I'll step on my toe first. Immediate obedience. Ouch. Immediate obedience. What a wonderful example for us. They hurried to obey. Now let's look at who these people were. These people were like you and me. I hear all these people say all these wonderful things about me and I think, who are they talking about? Because... I kind of look at myself. Every time I read my Bible, God reminds me there's plenty more I still need to repent of. Every time I look in the mirror, I kind of like see incompetence. You know, maybe you don't, but I kind of see incompetence. I know that I can't do all the stuff that God's doing. I have to depend on him. God deliberately chose these shepherds, I believe, to remind us that we all have work in his heavenly kingdom. And let's remember who the shepherds were in the social order of this time, okay? Let's remember that the shepherds were obviously poor people because the only way they could get money was to take care of other people's property, okay? You know, that's not really a high-paying job even today. The security guy at Walmart really doesn't make a good salary. So their job was to watch other people's property, so they can't have been paid that much. Another thing that we need to realize about the shepherds is that because of the function of their job, many times they were ritually unclean. And while they were ritually unclean, they were a contaminant to their community because if you're ritually unclean, the way that the Jewish people were interpreting the law at this time, and you touch somebody who is ritually clean, then that person also becomes ritually unclean. So the shepherds, when they go to town, people kind of didn't really want to give them a hug because they didn't know whether they had just recently slaughtered an animal, then they would have been unclean. They didn't recently know if they had cleaned up after the animals, then they would have been unclean. They didn't know if they had recently bandaged the wound of an animal and come in contact with blood, then they would be unclean. 
So God gave his message to people that other people would not expect to be the ones to carry his message. And that's good news for me because I feel like I can operate on that level, the level of incompetence, the level of uncleanness, the level of imperfection, the level of, God, you know, that's kind of like way, way, way too big for me, and I'm not sure I can do that at all. We went to Africa, and I'm a town boy. I grew up in a row house where the houses were just close together, old brick houses down in the middle of Richmond. That's where I grew up. I grew up riding the bus and walking to the playground and walking to the dime store and walking to the movie theater. And my life has been very different in Africa, in the bush, and in India, in a city of six million people. And so I don't feel like I was competent to do a lot of those things because I was not that super person. I find that I identify with the shepherds, you know, kind of the people that were not chosen by society, not chosen by culture, but God reached down with his message to them and he called them to respond and they did respond to him and they hurried to obey and maybe that's a good example for us that when God speaks to us we should hurry to obey I'd like to tell you the story of a friend of mine his name is Sandeep and Sandeep was in the first group that um, we were lucky enough to be able to help when uh, we were in India and I was studying the Marathi language, okay? And um, I was really not good at it at all. I mean, um, there's terrible, and there's really, really terrible, and then there's David, you know, kind of in a descending order. And so this uh, pastor I was working with, trying to encourage him, he wanted to start some churches, and he said, there's this group, and I can't go because... He worked at night answering telephone calls for people in the U.K. who had problems with their car insurance. So, you know, those people that are answering those telephone calls in India, those are my buddies. So be nice to them, okay? Anyway, so I said, okay, I'll go. So, I, you know, I rode, the, I rode the rickshaw taxi a half an hour to the train station. I rode the train an hour and 15 minutes out to that part of town. And then I rode on the back of a motorcycle another 20 minutes through crazy traffic to get to this place. And then when I got there, they'd start calling each other. He's here, he's here, come, come, come. And um, I would work all week on my lesson. All week. I'd work and work and work and work. And I had six inductive Bible study questions. And then we'd go, I'd go through the passage with my language tutor and we'd work on it and work on it. And then I'd get out there and I'd get to the second question and they would say, David, just give us the paper and, um, you know, just pray for us. And I'd be like, okay, I can do that. So I was a gifted Bible teacher. I couldn't even speak the language. I just sat there and prayed for him. But out of that group, there was a man named Sandeep and he came out and God used him and God changed him and God changed his wife and God changed his family. God changed his brother and his brother's wife. And God saved his father, uh, which was a real treasure to him because his father died this fall. And so as his father aged, Sandeep was assigned by the family to go back to the village. He and his wife were living with his father, taking care of his father during his father's last years. And Sandeep took the same questions that we had worked with in that small group 
and began to move from home to home to home, tried to find places where people would be willing to read the Bible with him and answer these questions. And just a few weeks before we left the country, we were very surprised Sandeep came to the capital city and he sent us a message, I want to meet you. And we went to meet him and he had five men with him. And I said, who are these men? He said, oh, these are the men that I taught the same way that you taught me. I said, that's great. Now, what are you doing? He says, well, each one of them has a group in their house. And each one of them is now teaching their group the same thing that I taught them, which was the same thing that you taught them. And all I could think about was my incompetence. I was like, but don't you remember? I couldn't even speak enough Marathi to teach. So it must have been God. And so I identify with the shepherds who were not the people who would have been chosen because when I go places, I see that God's already there and I see God fulfilling his work and my blessing is to be like an up-close-and-personal witness of what he's doing and thank him for that. In Acts 26, um, Paul also told Agrippa, he said, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. And I think sometimes in the whole thing of the, the discourse between Paul and Festus and Agrippa, there, you know, there's a lot of theology in there, and we can get all tangled up on the theology, and we can say, okay, well, this is Christology, and this is Soteriology, and this is all of the other ologies, and we miss what Paul said. He said, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. So what did the shepherds say? The shepherds say, ah, we were obedient to the heavenly vision. What did Paul say? Paul said, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. And what do we say to each other this morning? What do we say to God this morning as he is speaking to us? Do we say, yes, I will hurry to obey. You see, when God calls us to respond, we should hurry to obey. So God calls us to respond. God also calls us to receive. Look at verse 16 and look at verse 20 with me. Verse 16, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. In verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen just as they had been told. You see, God called the shepherds, and the shepherds hurried to obey. God called the shepherds, and the shepherds received exactly what God had promised them that they would receive. When we are walking with God, when we're working with God, things happen around us. Just as we have been told. They don't happen because we're skillful. They don't happen because we are adept. They don't happen because we are intelligent. They don't happen because we are good looking. Well, some of us anyway. Um, They don't happen for all the reasons that the world tells us that these things happen. They happen Because it's what God has told us 
will happen. It doesn't depend on me. I get to be there and to be a witness of what God is doing. But it's God's power. It's God's activity. It's God's promise. And it is God's fulfillment of his promise. We receive the blessings that are promised to us in Scripture. The blessings that God promises to us when we are individually and personally obedient to the specific instruction that he gives us. Let's look at the Christmas story again and let's remember the shepherds could not do the work of the innkeeper. The shepherds could not respond the way that the wise men responded. The shepherds could not do the task of the census takers, that task which forced Joseph to Bethlehem in the first place. The shepherds could only do just as they were told. Verse 16, verse 20. And they saw what God had done, and it was just as they were told. Now, this has a very practical application to us in our lives because we're not responsible for what the other person is told except to pray for them. We're not responsible to interpret God for the other person. We're not responsible to take our instruction from God and apply it to the whole church, which is something that I think we as Southern Baptists are really good at, you know. Oh, I'm really concerned about people in the community that are hungry. So everybody in the church has to carry the same concern that I carry or else you're not walking with God. Some of my friends right now are just almost quarreling with each other on the issue of refugees. Because, you know, there's all these refugees and and we need to do something. Yeah, we do need to do something. And yeah, there are all those refugees. But for myself, and I saw refugees in Tanzania and I saw refugees in Uganda and worked closely with people who worked with them and worked closely with refugees myself at one point. And you know what I know about refugees that come out of war zones? The good guys and the bad guys are all mixed up. And so, you know, just welcoming everybody is really not a solution. And when I say that to my friends, you know, writing back and forth on Facebook and stuff, they're like, oh, David, you sinner. You know, you should do what we want. You know, you should feel the same thing that we feel. But that's not what God is doing a lot of times. God is giving us specific instructions about what our assignment is. The shepherds had an assignment. The innkeeper had an assignment. The census takers had an assignment. The wise men had an assignment. And they each could not do the other person's assignment. They could only do their own assignment. And so... The shepherds heard the message of the angels, and they fulfilled their assignment. Quickly, they went. We have a friend, Rahul. And Rahul is, was the only believer in his family. As a young man, it was very difficult for him because his father is a staunch Hindu who's very involved in the fundamentalist Hindu political movement. India for Hindus only. Everybody else, thank you very much. You can go home. And so Rahul grew up in this environment, and his dad, even after Rahul became a believer, his dad was very strongly against Rahul following Jesus. Well, then Rahul got married, and he's still trying to walk with Jesus. And God blessed us with something very, very wonderful. We hadn't seen Rahul for over two years. And just before we were getting ready to leave the country, Rahul calls, and he says, David, 
I have to see you. And I'm like, wow, is this an answer to prayer or what? And we met with Rahul and his wife. And we watched them looking at each other with joy and with peace, which is very unusual for a lot of marriages in India. And to see her smile as Rahul told us that she was reading her Bible every day and that she was praying every day. And to see God bringing them together in Jesus Christ was a very, very beautiful thing. God had obeyed his personal, Rahul had obeyed his personal assignment from God. And his obedience was so complete that his mother said to him before he was baptized, Rahul, you need to be baptized because this God that you are now serving has changed your life. And I looked at Rahul and Vaishali and I saw them together as newlyweds and I saw that God had changed the definition of marriage in India for them because they were together in gentleness and godly love. So we should not concentrate on what others are told. We shouldn't concentrate on what others are doing. We need to receive our own personal instruction every day. Rahul received his personal instruction every day. His mother saw the change in his life. And said, yes, I give you my blessing to be baptized. His wife, before she was saved, saw the change in his life. And when Rahul expressed interest in her, she said, yes, I do want to be with you. And I also want to be with your God. Because if your God has made you into that kind of a person, that's the kind of person that I want to be. That was her heart when they, when they approached their uh their marriage. And um, if you could just turn over just a few pages in your Bibles now. And um, I just want to read a couple of verses. Um, John chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. You remember, this is like, you know, Peter's, uh, Peter and Jesus are doing the, you know, do you let me feed my sheep? Do you let me feed my sheep? Um, and it's at the end of that sequence. And um, so Peter turns and saw the disciple who Jesus loved, John 21, 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved and was following them. And um, I'm sorry. I lost my verse. Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered and said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. This verse can set you free this morning to be what God wants you to be in this community of faith and around the world. This church is here to support you, and this church is to provide counsel for you, and this church is to provide mutual accountability for you, and this church is to provide intercession for you. But you cannot, you cannot do somebody else's assignment. You can't do my assignment. You can't do Linda's assignment. You can't do Pastor Gary's assignment. You can't do Sister Amy's assignment. You cannot do somebody else's assignment. The only assignment you can do is your assignment. And you know what? It's really not your business to tell the other person what they should do. Sorry. Sorry. Because unless you're bigger than Peter, anybody here bigger than Peter this morning? I don't think so. I don't want to claim that. I'm just telling you all, don't go there, okay? 
Unless you think you're bigger than Peter, what did Jesus say to Peter? Basically, he said, Peter, he said, Peter, that's really not any of your business. Your assignment is to follow me. If we spent half as much time praying for each other as we do whispering about each other, God might be able to send us revival. I don't know. It could happen. But it's real clear here that when God calls us to receive, we need to receive our personal assignment from him. You heard Linda talking this morning about how she was praying and she was reading the Bible as was her daily habit. And God lifted these verses out to her and said, this is your personal assignment. And so she must be obedient to her personal assignment. And so we wait with God's grace and God's patience for the next thing that he will call us to. When God calls us to receive, we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we receive his power to live our own unique, individual, personal assignment from him. And it's a totally new life. And it's a totally different life. And I just want to say to you, and I, I don't mean to be harsh about this, but my fellow church members, we're all members of good old Baptist churches, okay? If God's not kind of like doing some remodeling in your life, you need to check in with him and see what's going on. Because I don't know what God does in your life, but God is always finding corners to clean out in my life. And God's always finding walls to knock down. And he's always finding new things to build. And he's always renovating and repainting and scrubbing and painting and and uh, rewiring. That's who God is and that's what he does. So the first thing that we need to remember is that when God calls us to respond, we must hurry to obey. The second thing that we must remember from the scripture today is that when God calls us to receive his assignment, we need to receive him. We need to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord. We need to receive our own specific, extra special, uniquely made, personal assignment from him. Because that is what he is about for his kingdom's glory. And the third thing that we see from the shepherds is we see that God calls us to report. Okay, I'm a Baptist preacher. What can I say? We've got to respond. We've got to receive. We've got to report. Okay, are we together? Good. Thank you so much. God called the shepherds and they reported on what they had seen him do. Look at verse 17 and 18 with me. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Okay? Now, I'd like to suggest there were two reasons why they were amazed. Number one, it was an amazing story that God had sent himself to Bethlehem. That was pretty amazing. Okay? And it was even more amazing that God did this out of channel. God didn't use the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the priests or the political leaders or the administrators or the richest man in town. God used people who were on the outside of their culture to spread the message that would echo around the world and transform every culture. 
So they told the story of what God was doing exactly as they had seen it. And I think sometimes we miss this because we think, okay, well, that person has a dramatic testimony because they were saved from drug addiction. Well, that person has a dramatic testimony because they were 50 and very successful in business before they got saved. Well, that person has a great testimony because they were a drug dealer and then they got saved. And, you know, my testimony doesn't stack up like that because, like, I grew up in a really, I was really blessed to grow up in a wonderful Christian home. Okay, we had our words. Everybody's got words. Get over it. You know, that's what forgiveness is all about. That's what grace is all about. But, you know, my parents meant well. They did the best they could. God honored it, you know. And, you know, what I don't like, it's my responsibility to forgive and get over it, right? So they were good and godly people. And they tried to lead me in the right way. And so as a young child, I made a decision for Jesus Christ. And when I was about 12 years old, I said, okay, God, whatever, whenever, wherever, just give me a clue about what you want me to do, and I'm with you. And so my life went like that from step to step. So when God calls us to report, we don't report on what somebody else has done. We report on what God's doing in our lives, whether it's big, whether it's small, whether it's impressive, whether it's not impressive. We just talk about, hey, you know what? God's changing me. You know, God showed me this today in his word. God did this for me. I prayed and God answered this prayer. That is our personal thing. Our nursing ministry, we worked with nursing students and we tried to teach them English so that they would get better jobs when they graduated from nursing school. There's a guy named Ankush. He came in. He said, I'm a devout Hindu and I'm going to come to your English class and I'll stay for the Bible study discussion because I want to hear English. But I am a devout Hindu. And I'm like, Ankush, you're welcome. And then over months of studying the Bible, Ankush says, I believe. Ankush finished school. He went home as a believer. And guess what happened? He kept telling his family the things that God was doing in his daily life. And do you know what happened? We saw him a few weeks ago. God's so good, giving us closure about all these relationships that are spread out all over the place. He happened to come to church the Sunday that we were at the church. And he said, you know, my last, we're all following Jesus. And we're active in a fellowship near where we live. And he started off as a devout Hindu saying, and now as he tells people about what God's doing in his daily life, he has a transformative effect on the community around us. You know, John 9.25 is really a key verse for us in our lives of reporting what God is doing around us because, you know, the religious leaders came to the guy that was blind and they said, look, you know, what's going on here? You know, this man Jesus is a sinner. How could he heal you? He's a sinner. And the, and, and the blind man said, look, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. But I know one thing. I was blind. And now I see. I'm going to tell you quite honestly, okay, I have a theology degree, but I have no clue when Jesus is coming back because the Bible doesn't have a calendar attached. All right? I have no clue when Jesus is coming back. But Jesus told me he's coming back. That's enough for me. You know, if it's not enough for you, God loves you. But... It's enough for me. When God reports what he's doing, we're not there to argue theology. We're not there to persuade somebody into salvation. I think that's the most damaging thing we can do is try to logic somebody into salvation. Because salvation is a work of God through his Holy Spirit. What we're there to do is we're there to report, hey, I was blind, now I see. Got it? Don't got it? Okay, let's go over it again. I was blind. Now I see. Got it? No, no, no. We're not talking about theology. We're talking about I was blind and now I 
You see, God comes to us. God calls us to respond. And we should hurry to obey. And God calls us to receive. We should receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We should receive an assignment from Him every day that is a transformative assignment, an assignment that changes our life, an assignment that leads us to follow Jesus. And God calls us to report. And when we report, we should have a report about what God is doing in our lives right now. So we have an example from the shepherds today. The shepherds were not the great guys. But you know what? They responded. And they received. And they reported. Now, how does God want us to do the same thing?